Hey everybody and welcome to the 16th episode of DCI. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. In this episode, we're talking to Katie Hallahan and Caesar Batar, who were two of the developers that worked on Cognition, an Erica Reed thriller. That was an adventure game that was released episodically this year, uh, so being that it's already out, we have the Darkcast writer who reviewed it, John Kasaborski, joining us uh, to talk about the game. So we had a really great conversation, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. If you want to find out more about Darkstation, you can do that at darkstation.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at darkstation underscore com. If you want to subscribe to us on iTunes, we are the Darkcast. While you're there, give us a review and let us know what you think of the show. Finally, if you want to send us an email, you can do that at podcast at darkstation.com. If you want to find out more about Cognition or the developer Phoenix Online Studios, then check out the links in the show notes to this page. As always, thanks for listening. Now on with the show. on the dark cast uh glad you could be here uh before we get started just could you tell us who we are talking to ladies first go ahead katie <laughs> uh yeah i'm katie hallahan i'm the pr director for phoenix online studios and one of the designers of incognition and i'm cesar Vitera. i'm the ceo for phoenix online studios and also one of the designers on cognition okay um that's great uh could you kind of go into a little bit more depth. I mean, obviously, we're going to get to the game itself. Uh, <laughs> but I, I like to kind of get a little bit more information about, you know, who we're talking to um, first. So if you could talk about a little bit, of, you know, what's involved in your job, because uh, game design's a really, really loose term. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could talk about, you know, what you do um, at Phoenix Online and that sort of thing, that'd be great. <clears throat> sure. Um... Yeah, uh, for PR, uh, I do a lot of, you know, talking with people from the press, um, also staying in touch with fans uh, with the help of our social media team. Um, it's kind of a lot of keeping up, uh, you know, with that end of things. And for design, yeah, you know, we write, plan out, plot, and uh, figure out the puzzles and so forth uh, for the episodes and the game overall. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of what I do too. I, um, you know, working on the designing of the episodes, it's probably our, our you know, it, it's it's a really big task because you know you have to think of first you have to like stay true to like the the, the original story that you wrote and, and where you want to take these characters and then you know is designing the puzzles making sure that the puzzles supplement the story and not and they don't feel like you know two separate things altogether so we do a lot of that then we you know we we have play tests for cognition and then we take notes from there and then we just go back to the design um i also produce i, I produce all the episodes i have a, a production coordinator that works with me but I, I was the main producer in all of them so sometimes it's a um, it's a hard thing to balance like both design and production because one side of me is saying hey this is enough and then the other side of me would be like oh but this is so cool i want to have it in the game <laughs> yep. uh, and so yeah so it's a juggling act 
there. And then, you know, my responsibilities as CEO, I deal with a lot of the business, um, where the company's heading, uh, where the money's coming from, uh, and, you know, just meeting people just to to get Phoenix growing more and more. Um, and just, you know, making sure that we have those relations in place, uh, getting through stuff like Steam and, and talking to Nintendo, talking to Sony. So... I, I have a full-time, more than a full-time job. <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> Sounds like it. Um, Caesar, could you talk a little bit more about um, the production side of video games? Because I think, and myself included, a lot of times, when you think about a game, there's it's, it's kind of like design and production almost seem like the same thing um, in some ways. So what? how does that kind of differentiate from the design side, the creation side? So I mean, I actually, I, I think that they're very opposite um, in in the sense. Um, I I grew up professionally as you know we started with the Silver Lining, which was based on King's Quest and all that, and I did both the jobs in that project as well. But then as you know, when I went to because I work with Activision and I work with Telltale, um, I work in the production departments, and so. You know, one of the things that I really missed was the creative side of things when I was in the production department, because that's mostly it's it's management. It's dealing with schedules, making sure that mm. uh, that you get everything done by the time that you need it done, making sure that all the departments are communicating with each other. So it, it, it really, production in video gaming world is just management. Um, and then, you know, and depending on what, what kind of production, like if you, you know, if you're an external producer, then you deal with, where you where you place uh, the games like relationship with Nintendo, making sure that they have the build up by the time that they need it, making sure that they have the manual that everything is done, and on design it's just mostly the creative side, like dealing with making a good game um, in the sense of telling a great story and and, and you know and, and in our case just making sure that the puzzles are great, that they feel balanced, that people are liking it, that. You know, just dealing with the rewriting of the story, being there when you are uh, recording actors to make sure that what you wrote comes across the way that you want it to be. Um, so it's a lot more on the creative side of things. Okay. Cool. Um, so you mentioned uh, that you worked at Activision and Telltale. Um, can you talk about any of the other places that you worked at? Um, also, uh, Katie, you as well? Yes. Uh, well, I actually, this is Phoenix is pretty much the only video game company that I've worked at. Um, before that, I was working in uh, publishing mm-hmm. uh, in the Boston area, uh, which is where I'm located. So this has kind of been my my uh, only foray into into video games. Uh, you know, started off kind of like the, the part time free time thing when we were working on Silver Lining, and in, uh, in the last few years, been full time uh, working for Phoenix directly. So. Yeah, and I work um, on, you know, I did, I, I was with Activision for a little bit. I, I work on Spider-Man 3 and, and, and Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2, although I didn't see that one to the end. Um, and then I went to Telltale, and I worked with them on Wallace and Gromit, Tales of Monkey Island, Simon Max Season 3. Um, and after that, it was just Phoenix Online. That, that's when we decided to do it for, for real. Very cool. Mm-hmm. It's. I mean, it, it, especially working with Telltale, it was, it was an eye opener because of the way you know they're basically the, the only, up until, 
probably last year or when we came along they, they were like basically one of the or the biggest adventure game company in the states and so um the way that they did things you know they're, they're a very talented company and and the way that they did things how they work the episodics how they kept such a tight schedule and and make sure that it happened and that they release episode after episode every month um, I really learned a lot of a, a lot of stuff that we you know we later somehow used in Phoenix Online um, thanks to Telltale. So. All right, John, you want to take the next question? Yeah, sure. Now you guys, uh, so you worked at Telltale until pretty recently. Is Phoenix a pretty new studio? I, I'm not up to speed on uh, on a lot of your past work. Oh. <laughs> um, well, we started off uh, with the Silver Lining, the, the King's Quest fan game we did, and that started back in, like, 2000, 2000 2002, oh, okay. about. Um, and for years, it was just, uh, you know, people working in their spare time uh, as volunteers on this project. Um, <clears throat> and then with Cognition was when we finally, you know, we had been looking and interested in going uh, into commercial work for a little while uh, and so when the opportunity to do cognition came up that was uh, kind of when we finally took the uh, the first steps towards actually making that happen so in terms of officially yes it's fairly new um, but we've kind of been around for a little while <laughs> yeah and now you know we're working on we're, our, our next project is Mobius, Jane Jensen's Mobius, and we're also doing Jane Jensen's MGX, which should be announced pretty soon, but we still can't say what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, are you guys, do you have an actual uh, an actual office, or do you guys still all kind of work sort of telecommute? We telecommute. We all work online. We're we're basically spread all over the the world, the states wow. and Europe, and yeah. That's not that actually sounds very challenging. Is that uh, how hard is it to work like that? It's it's hard. I mean, you get used to it because what we do is that you know every morning at 10 a.m. Pacific time we have scrum meetings and so we go over everything that everybody's doing and 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 then we communicate the rest of the day through skype through either you know chatting or having meetings and talking it is challenging obviously because you know and I, I know that you know if we were in the same place and, and having an office some some of some of the problems that we have have would be very quickly fixed um, but we, we, the, the thing is that we, this is the way that we did this silver lining. And so we learned over the years to find the dynamics that, that, that would allow us to do this. So it's challenging, but, but it's doable. How did you guys meet? Get down to <laughs> um, most through the silver lining, um, you know, it was either applying mm. to the, the, you know, the King's Quest fan project or yeah. Pretty much, um, every, every like I would say, ninety percent of the people that that work on Phoenix Online right now, we met through them volunteering for the Silver Lining, mm -hmm. and then later, you know, over the years, we had the chance to actually meet in person and, and, and talk about what we're gonna be doing after the Silver Lining, etc. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting, and for what it's worth, the games do not. Or at least cognition does not 
show signs of having been designed by committee. You know, it's it, <laughs> it's really <laughs> solid. So you had you had me fooled. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, um, Jonathan, you want to continue? Um, sure. Um, so, like the your new project, um, Mobius, uh, you've got, you started that on uh, Kickstarter, and you also started Cognition, or maybe not started, that's probably not the right word, uh, but you got funding on Kickstarter. Uh, can you talk a little bit about some of the, um, you know, decision making behind going with that? Uh, yes, it was interesting. I mean, the uh, the Mobius Kickstarter was run, uh, you know, primarily by Jane Jensen, um, okay. for her studio, Pinkerton Road. Um, I mean, obviously, we were very invested in its uh, success since we wanted to work with her, of course. Um, uh, for us, it was interesting because we did the Cognition Kickstarter actually, like, before the big boom on Kickstarter, before the Double Fine Adventure and subsequent ones after that. Um so, uh, you know, like we were talking about different ways to get funding and Kickstarter was still fairly new and, you know, we did some research and even then it was, uh, you know, the most successful of the crowdfunding sites that were out there. So uh, I was kind of like, well, this is a great way. And, you know, people had often said, you know, they really liked the silver lining and they wish they could support us somehow for that or for other projects. It was like, all right, well, here's, this looks like it would be a great way to make that happen. And mm-hmm. it would certainly help us. Um so we raised about 34000 on there, which seems small now in terms of Kickstarter, but at the time, like, we were in the top 10 for the most funded video game projects, and it was a, bit, it was a pretty big deal for us, and then, you know, a couple months later, Double Fine comes along, and it's like, oh, man, <laughs> we couldn't have waited just a little longer. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really just a great platform. It gives a lot of opportunity to like to indie games and indie companies you know for games and and for other uh areas as well um to kind of you know give them funding that they need or funding that can help them get started or get moving um and uh you know and and do the projects they want to do instead of necessarily being tied down by either budgetary things or you know having to go with a publisher or someone else or you know the, the different kind of things that can come in say that, you know, direct we're, we're where a company is going as opposed to just one of the games that have actually you make. know and, and, and we can say that you know we're, we're one of the projects that have actually we've actually finished what we said that we were going to be doing on Kickstarter so you know it, 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 it is a tough thing to deal with because sometimes you you get a certain amount of money and you know that that's not going to be enough to finish your game and that's why you need to you know, you need to make sure that you're going to have your, your base covered. Like, you know, we wouldn't have been able at all to make Cognition with the money from Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, that was not going to happen. We had to invest a lot more money in that. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that for for anybody that, that is on Kickstarter, it, it, that, that's probably the one of, one of the most difficult things that I see is that most people might not be producers per se, they're designers, and then when, when you are making a game as a designer, it's really hard to keep track of time and budget of what you're doing. Um, but thankfully, we had already done this through the Silver Lightning, so it allowed us to keep in time, or, or mostly in time, for recognition. Yeah, as, as you mentioned, you know, um, the money on Kickstarter is not enough to 
make a game with, uh, especially one of the scope of cognition. Uh, so how did that really help you then? I mean, does it get your name out there so you get other investors? Where does that money kind of get spent? What Can you kind of talk about that some? Yeah, I mean, obviously obviously it helped us. Um, and and morale-wise, it was great, uh, you know, because it, it, it does exactly that. It kickstarts you. Um, and then it gives you that sense of responsibility of, okay, wow, all these people believed in us, and now we have to deliver this. Um, but in terms of, um, you know, how, like, how did it help budget-wise and what we did? No, we were we were actually ready for, you know, what happens um, after we run out of this money. We, we actually had already invested about the same amount of money into cognition, and then we were ready to put in more money. Um, after that, now, what what it does help with, obviously, is that yeah, it, it does give us a name, um, you know, and and being able to put like the demo of cognition was the reason why um, Jane Jensen later played it, and then she said, oh, this is very cool, why, okay, and, and and we, you know, we were chosen to work with her on on Mobius, which obviously helped the financing of. Uh, the, the company and so you know it, it is you know one one little thing takes to the next and the next but you don't know exactly how how is it gonna go uh, until you actually do it and, and, and are there okay but 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 there's I mean it is important to have some sort of a plan like you cannot go into hoping that um, you might find the money or you might like a lot of people also like braid this stuff into episodes and then they think that you know with the sales of episode one we're gonna complete the next episodes and and sometimes that doesn't happen we actually we struggle with sales on episode one and now that that we're finally on steam it's when when we're seeing you know when it's finally making sense to us but that was you know a year later um and so we had to like you know, be ready for for that whole year. Which I'm, I mean, I'm not gonna say that we didn't sell anything, but but you know, it could happen that you find a, a stun in the way. Like, oh, by the way, you cannot you cannot be on Steam because we changed the whole system, and so you need to be ready um, to to withstand any kind of storm. Like, you know, always always know, you know, what's your backup plan if if, if things doesn't go the way that you that you want, and that's normally something that always happens in video games. When you're making a video game, you're you're gonna be late, no matter what. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, so I guess I guess it's time to start talking about the game. Uh, that's what we're here for. <laughs> um, so I, I I myself haven't played it yet, and I imagine there's gonna be a couple listeners that that haven't played it either. Um, so could you kind of give us the, the breakdown of what Cognition is first? Yeah, uh, so Cognition uh, is obviously about Erica Reed, uh, the main character, who is an FBI agent in Boston. And she has a power where she, called Postcognition, where she can touch uh, objects or people and see visions of the past. Um, and so over the course of the four episodes, she is hunting down different serial killers throughout Boston, and sort of the overarching plot has to do with, uh, she starts noticing that someone is leaving behind clues at different crime scenes that are clearly left for her that, like, she can only find because of what she can do. 
And, you know, the question is, you know, who knows about her and why are they leaving these clues and what do they want and what do they want from her? Um, and she also, I mean, I really love her as a character and she has, a, you know, an interesting and kind of tragic background. Uh, you know, her <clears throat> younger brother is lost to a serial killer that's that was never caught. So that's also something that haunts her a lot. Uh, and she's sort of really focused on, you know, trying to someday find this guy and finally bring him in as well okay um so um one of the one of the unique things about cognition is the fact that it's a an episodic game um as you guys have kind of mentioned before and that's been something that hasn't hasn't really caught on i mean i remember back when uh, the sin episodes were announced that you know going to be released in the source engine and they're going to be awesome and I think there was one that was released, and then just nothing ever happened, and, you know, everyone's still waiting on Half-Life 2 Episode 3. Um, mm -hmm. What kind of made you guys decide to go with the episodic format for the game? It was mostly a, um, you know, from a production standpoint. Um, and, and, you know, having, like, like I said, having worked with Telltale really opened my eyes to, to a lot of things that they did. Um, and, you know, from a production standpoint, it's really... It's it, it, it's a good thing because you work on a little chunk of the game and then you put it behind and then you don't go back to it. Um, one of the problems that we always have with Silverline before we actually broke it into episodes, because we decided to do that as well at one point, uh, was that, you know, it, it, we were so spread over the game. Like, like we, like the, the lack of focus on the, on, on certain areas of the game was hurting them. Um, the production and so we never you know you know if if something is not released you never let it go you're always going back back to fix it and, and, mm. and do something on it and make it look better um, and so uh, episodic allows you allows you to do that um, on the flip side it's really hard to market an episodic game yeah. just because you know people don't feel like you know they don't know you they don't know who you are at the beginning now telltale works because they've done this so many times and they know that people know that whenever they release a game they're going to release the five episodes that, that that they have but as a, as a new studio or as a new new developer you don't know you, you don't have that trust from people that you're going to actually do it or or you're going to do it in a time where it makes sense um and that you're not going to do like you know release episode one now and then four years later episode two and episode three maybe never <laughs> half life um but uh, but but yeah it, it, it is challenging because you the, the problem with the problem with um episodic as well is you have to keep that gap as close as you can and i felt like with commission uh, we could have done better with that. We could have, you know, tried to keep it like at least two months, um, ideally one month between episodes. But obviously, you know, it was our, our first production and, and we encountered issues that, that, you know, we weren't counting upon. But yeah, I mean, that's that's what that's what made us decide to go there. I don't know, like, what what we're thinking of next is actually like smaller games that, that don't, you know, are, are not big sprawling epic sagas um, um, for you know in, in the immediate time being just and also because we're working on bigger projects with Jane Jensen 
Um, but I don't know. I mean, after that, I'm, I'm not sure, like, you know, if we'll come back to, like, the episodic model or if we decide to make, like, a four game. Um, we'll see. We'll have to see. I mean, Mobius, for example, is it's a full game and we found a way to actually, you know, just keep it down in time. And, and it, it is the fastest project that, that we've done so far. Even though it's not done, it's, it's been staying in track. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, do you think that Cognition could have been released as a more, you know, traditionally released game where it's all one package, or do you think the episodic nature was kind of important to the, the way the story progressed? Yeah, I think the way we developed the story works well for the episodic model, just because, I mean, we went into it with that in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, like, the whole season is out now, so someone can play it just start to finish. Um, but, you know, it's still... And there there are plot threads that continue for the whole thing, um, but it definitely has, you know, like, four chapters or four episodes to the story. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, I don't think it would have been impossible to reconceive it as, like, a whole game that wasn't split up so distinctly, but, um, you know, it, it would definitely change some some ways that the story was presented at the very least yeah, I mean, one, thing that, one thing that i that i think it might have benefited from even though like katie said this was always planned as an episodic game we never saw it as one full game and so we never wrote it like from the beginning that you know from the first story idea it was four episodes mm-hmm. um and so we structure it like that um you know it it might you know and and you know we we took feedback from the first episodes and implemented it towards the uh, later episodes, and that helps a lot. So, so mm-hmm. a lot of things are fixed because of that, of the feedback that we got during the time. Mm-hmm. I think maybe like if we had done a, a, a bigger game, um, we might have benefited from having a tighter uh, plot, maybe. But at the same time, I don't know because. We we would have never gotten the feedback in time to like tighten the plot, so you know it it, it is a it's sort of a catch twenty two situation. Sure. I mean we're we're really happy with with how it came together and, and, and the product that we finally released. Um, mm-hmm. So whether we continue the episodic format with with a sequel or not, that that really depends on the story and how the story lends itself to what we want to tell. Yeah. John, you were, I believe, going to say something? Well, yeah, I think one of the reasons it works really well in this case, at least for the first couple of episodes, is because each episode is kind of a self-contained story that fits into a bigger hole. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of games that have gone episodic, I don't think, have been been able to do that. So it's almost felt like, uh, like they could have just packed them onto the same game. In fact, that's what Alan Wake did, I think. I think that was originally going to be episodic, but that was mm-hmm. just one example I could think of. Um, well, anyhow, that the, the format works pretty well with this one. Yeah, and also, I mean, the fact that it it was easier for us in in a way of okay, so I take episode one, Katie took episode two. Mm-hmm. We had a, a, a assistant designer that helps a, a lot, and you know was the main person in episode three, and so that that actually helped um, in a little bit. It's like a TV show where. Uh, where different people and directors say different episodes, um, but you know we we have a main story that we're following. And, and... 
you know, and that 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 changes things a little bit because it it keeps them fresh because each one of us have, even though you know we stay true to, to the character and everything, and and we, you know, we made sure that if somebody was just straying too much of the plot or of the character, we we brought it back, but that does bring like a different dynamic from for every episode. Okay. Now, uh, just a little bit ago, you mentioned. Um, kind of the feedback from the early episodes um, playing into uh, how you wrote and how you developed the later episodes. How much did that feedback actually change stuff with those episodes? Because I, I have to imagine that, you know, you've already, by the time episode one's come out, you've already got a lot of work done into to episode two. Um, so it's not like you can just, you're not just sitting there waiting to see what people's reactions are and then going, okay, now we know how to make episode two. Because yeah. then it would be, you know, every once every couple of years that we get an episode. <laughs> uh, so, so how much does the, you know, critic and fan reaction play into how the other episodes are are made, developed? I'd say it's more with kind of influencing how you how we fine tuned the episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like if we saw, you know, certain kinds of puzzles people liked more or less, then we would, you know, kind of cut out the ones they didn't like so much and try to emphasize the things that were a lot more popular. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think it was mostly that, and, you know, and then more technical things like, uh, you know, I know our, our earlier episode, like episode one had longer loading times that people complained about. So, you know, on that end, we tried to, we did a lot of work uh, into figuring out how to cut, that, cut down on that uh, and some other technical aspects uh, that went into it as well. So I think it was there there wasn't any I think major change that happened. Like no like, you know, huge plot point that was like, all right, well we're gonna have to totally redo this now. Um, but yeah, it helped a lot with kind of just fine tuning the episodes, I think. Okay. Yeah, another thing is like for example, um, you know, we heard that it, although that was sort of intentional we we heard that you know in episode one the the uh the secondary characters were not really developed they they look very uh, you know comic comic characters um comic book kind of characters and although that was kind of intentional because that's kind of the look that we were for it i think that we in that case we sort of overdeveloped erica hmm. and so there was that that gap between them and so we did try like in episode three and episode four and i mean like you said in episode two it was it was sort of impossible to do it but episode three and episode four we did try to look to you know do more of a character development um another thing that was criticized from from episode one and two was like there was a lot of backtracking so we tried to minimize that in in the later two episodes um so yeah i mean as as long as we could do something and and i think that you know, that kind of feedback, like I said, not on episode two, but but in, in the later episodes, we, we did take it and, and try to do more stuff with it. Like, for example, with, you know, when I did the, because I wanted to have another uh, big regression puzzle in episode four, and I mm-hmm. took a lot of feedback that we got from episode one, which was, oh, wow, you have to leave and come back to the scene and keep doing this, this, this very large puzzle, but that you have to take, like, steps from everywhere and then do like a lot of like you know dumb things to get through um rubber and so when i did the the one with rose in episode four i tried to simplify it a lot and just 
you know, just just have the mechanics of what really work and what people really like from episode from the one from episode one. Okay. Um, now, is there anything that kind of sticks out over the series as a whole that um, that didn't work that you you know maybe didn't work as well as you wanted it to, or just that you would do differently um, in subsequent games? I think that puzzles that are there just to fill uh, as filler, just because we feel that we needed to have a lot of steps, um, or otherwise people wouldn't be happy. If um, I think that there were a lot of those in episode one, for example, um, and I think that it could have been tighter in that sense. Hmm. There's that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm very happy with, with overall, like, the rest of it. I don't know if, like, you have something, Katie. You know, there there were, um, in episode four, there were divide, like, the, it, you know, pe some people thought that the um, the trust meter was great. Some people thought that it didn't make sense that it was implemented so late. And, um, you know, it was a little bit experimental. We used it because episode four was so heavily... It, it, you know, dialogue heavy, and it was actually kind of influenced by The Walking Dead, um, in in that sense. And then when I, you know, when I saw it and and I was trying to implement it, it was like, wow, there's a lot of decisions that are made here through the dialogue, and and you can even cause the death of characters if you're not, you know, you're not thinking of what you're doing, or or you you have no feedback from the game, and that's why we implemented it. But mm. you know, it, it it is something that obviously could have been done better. And obviously, and it's something that we want to explore later. But but it's again, it it is it's a mechanic that we implemented. We got feedback on it, and now we we have a much better idea of what to do with it. But overall, I mean, I'm really happy with like, you know, the overall story, the gameplay. I think I think cognition is it really stood out from from adventure games in general, especially you know through the year. I think um, because of the different cognition mechanics and the artwork. Um, and the, 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 you know, the very dark story that it tells. Um, so, yeah. I don't know how you feel, Katie, about... Uh, yeah, kind of along the same lines. Like, mostly just, you know, things that we could have tightened up. Um, and yeah, even, like, yeah, with episode four, I think, which probably had the most sort of divisive reactions. Like, a lot of people really liked it, and some people weren't thrilled with it, but even the people who didn't particularly like the direction we took still liked the game as a whole. Um, and that kind of is just, uh, it's good feedback to get to kind of like use going forward and kind of think like, okay, you know, so if we if we're implementing, you know, say like some kind of trust meter or relationship tracker in another game, like what kind of adjustments would be good to make on that? So, I don't think there's anything anything major that I would have changed in the in the game that we've made though okay cool yeah we, we hear for example like some people wanted to get more um background on for example the cane killer um but we uh, very intentionally left him without a lot of background because we didn't want to you know we didn't want to get close and personal to him we wanted to him to be like you know this monster that is always a monster hmm. um 
and 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 there there are sort of things that you cannot please everybody, you know. It, 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 <laughs> some decisions that we make and we're happy with them. And you know, it could go either way, but this is the way that we want. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. The from the the games that I've played, where you try to please everyone, you end up making something that's not really gonna fully please anyone because it's just gonna right. be a little too watered down. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah, it's always good to get the feedback so that you have, you know, ideas on how to make things better, but, mm-hmm. yeah, if you listen to everything too much, it's you're going to drive yourself crazy trying to please everybody with it. <laughs> All right, John, you want to take it from here? Yeah, yeah, I uh, I was really interested in finding out a, more about the story and kind of how you developed it. Uh, Katie told me a pretty interesting tidbit that I guess at one time, it was, uh, I guess, the central theme of the story was the three siblings, and it kind of it had a King Lear-type theme to it, and that's where the name Cordelia came from. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, that was when we were first trying to pick what sort of, like, main thrust of the story we wanted. There was the, uh, you know, the idea of, like, cognition, Erica's powers and everything, and... Um, then there was an idea about, uh, you know, like killings that were based on Shakespeare plays um, and kind of, you know, using modeling characters into like these different roles. And yeah, that, that was where uh, Cordelia got her name from King Lear, the character Cordelia, who was sort of the, in the end, the good daughter <laughs> in that one. Um, and, and we just liked the name, so, that was, so we sort of stuck with that, even though we dropped the, the Shakespeare angle in favor of going with the cognition powers, which seemed like a, a better thing to be able to carry into later games if we make those. Hmm. And I guess um, go ahead and say that you know this part of the since we're going to be getting more into the story. Uh, if you guys want to go into spoiler territory, uh, <laughs> if you haven't beaten the game and you don't want spoilers, then you should probably skip ahead. So, all right, <laughs> continue, Al. Or not, Alan. You're John. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, it's, <laughs> I've podcasted it's called, with uh, too many people. Uh. It's called uh, Cognition and Erica Reed Thriller. So was it your intention from the beginning to try to build a persistent character, kind of like Nancy Drew or uh, somebody like that, that you could make a lot more stories from? Go with this one, Seth. <laughs> Sure. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty much the idea. We wanted, I mean, obviously, we love Erica, and uh, we wanted to be able to, you know, just continue working on games that 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 will, um, in which they will she will star. So, it it you know, we really 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 love the character. We put a lot of work into into shaping her to what she is and and it would be a shame not to see her anymore <laughs> so yeah that was the whole idea that you know we could develop more games with her and we have like, some some few great ideas for for sequels so mm-hmm. now who is one person credited with creating erica how did you guys make her and design her and figure out that she has red hair and <laughs> all that fun stuff uh some of that, her, her basic look actually came from, uh, we acquired some art assets uh, for a game that hadn't worked out from a, another company. 
uh, Kaon, and um, Romano Molinar had worked on the art for that game, and so had, you know, designed Erica and generally what she looks like. Um, so we had that part there, and we knew she was some sort of, you know, uh, either cop or FBI agent, um, and sort of, yeah, I mean, I'd say it was definitely a collaborative process on, on figuring her out. Uh, you know, like what the character you wanted, the power she had, what she was like. Um, we had some definite like references in mind uh, from popular, you know, like TV shows and uh, and that sort of thing. Like, uh, who is it? Deborah from Dexter was definitely a part of the inspiration for her. And uh, Cesar wanted her to be very similar to uh, Olivia from Fringe, because he's a big fan of that show. All right. Um, what about Jane Jensen? What role did she play as a story consultant? Well, I mean, she she you know we we, we had been trying to work with her for a little bit on on cognition and, and um, well not on cognition but in general and uh, cognition came up and that was a, really a good idea and and she played the, the role of story consultant, which means is that you know she was there. For, with us from the beginning as we shaped the main story. Um, actually, what, what Katie was saying, that we had two, two stories going on. Katie and I were trying to make them work together. But when Jane saw it, she said, these are two really big themes. You need to drop one and just focus on the other one. And, and that's what we did. And, and I was saying that, you know, if it, if it hadn't, has, hadn't been from Jane, we would have probably tried to make them work together. And, and, you know, maybe the story would have been as good as, as, as it ended up being. Um, and then later on, she read the script for, for all the episodes, and especially, particularly episode one and two, she was really, you know, gave, gave us a lot of feedback, gave us a lot of notes, rewrote some of the dialogue. Um, as, as the season progressed in episode three and four, she still went through the script, but, but at that point, her feedback was less, just because that, you know, the story had already taken shape, and, and it was you know, already defined to what it was going to be. So, but yeah, towards the beginning, she was a really, a really great help. We, we learned a lot from her and it was, it was great to, to get all of, all of her feedback. She knows basically what she wants in the story and, and how to make it good. And we learned a lot from that. Now, were the, were the supernatural powers going to be in there from the beginning or did you find that as something you needed to add to kind of add to some of the detective work in the gameplay? We came up with the story of Shakespeare first, which was an idea from Katie, um, and we were trying to develop that. And then one night, I was, I was always, like thinking of the idea. It just came to me. I don't know how or why, but it just came to me. Hey, what if we had a paranormal kind of power? And so we we went with that idea, and 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 that's how we started to develop that. And then we we quickly switched into 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 that into what it meant for Erica to have this power and, and, and how it would affect it and you know in you know the idea from the beginning was well what if uh, the villain would have the opposite power to Erica and, and what can we do with that and so from there we start to evolve like what ended up being the story for this game that's that's interesting um. You mentioned Dexter. Uh, what would you say are your other sources of inspiration for your games? You know, or just in general, what are your 
favorite movies and TV shows that that influence your stories? Uh, yeah, definitely Dexter. Uh, we we definitely also referenced uh, 24 quite a bit while we were developing it, and uh, I kind of call Erica our, our female Jack Bauer. <laughs> um, both in that, you know, she's kind of, you know, really tough like that, but also just bad things tend to happen to people around her. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Dexter, I mean, kind of for obvious reasons from, you know, the, the you know, inside the, the cop office angle to the, you know, getting into serial killers' minds kind of thing um, is definitely a big inspiration there as well. Um, as far as other ones that are similar that weren't exactly inspiration just due to timing, um, I definitely really like uh, the TV show Homeland, um, which came, you know, started showing, I think started showing after we had started writing this, but um, there's definitely kind of some, some also some parallels I could probably draw to that. Maybe, maybe we're unconscious. <laughs> um, that's also just a really great show, the great female lead and interesting very, very, a lot of shades of gray, basically. <laughs> there was heavy rain, too. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, which Katie and I both really liked. Yeah. Um, yeah and that, that's um, seven. I mean, the, the, when we knew, when I knew that we were going to be working on something like this, I went to watch seven again. <laughs> um, and that was for a commission. I mean, in terms of what we like, we like a lot of different stuff. Um, I know from sci-fi shows to dramas to... I, I tend to like really complicated stuff. <laughs> uh, like Lost. I really love that show. Um, yeah. yeah. The more convoluted it can be, the better. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy those and then I'll also... I, I really love some other shows like Vampire Diaries and stuff. So. <laughs> kind of across the board. I enjoy TV in general. <laughs> All right. Um, now, past uh, past year or two, uh, the role of women in video games has been topical, I guess you might say. And I was wondering, did you guys think about that a whole lot while you were designing the game? I mean, do you think that Erica helps break stereotypes of women in games? Um, I think so. I mean, I think she's both, you know, a great character and a great female character. Um, and, and in that order, really, like, I definitely, I'm, for me, you know, uh, maybe just because I'm female, it, it's something that would be on my mind fairly often. Um, but I mean, we had a, you know, she was a good character as in, you know, she had a lot of strengths, um, but she was, you know, still very human, very flawed uh, and in ways that I think, you know, didn't necessarily connect, have to do with the fact that she was female. Like they were just flaws as a person. Yeah, I don't think I, you know, I ever think of my characters as male or female uh, as what, you know, what obviously there there are some things that that would affect it sometimes but um but in the case of Erica it was mostly to create a great character 
yeah. and it, 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 it he could, you know it could have been a male and, and we probably um, you know create, created a, a good story for for him as well um, so I mean in, in terms of like having you know we went from the like the silver lining which was Graham as a male character to Erica as, and, and he was a father so he had other things to worry about to Erica, which who was a female character, um, and and some of my stories, I sometimes, and I don't know, I, I don't know, like what determines whether the main character will be male or female. It just it just happens as you write the story, um, what fits better, what feels better. And once mm-hmm. you do that, then it it really is about the character and not the gender, at least for me. Cool. All right, cool. Jonathan, you want to uh, you want to wrap it up? All right. Uh, well, when we finish interviews, we like to end it with a uh, a little questionnaire that um, one of our other podcast hosts, Brian, uh, has kind of come up with, and it's called In Game, and it's a little bit more personal questions uh, to kind of get you know what type of games and things like uh, that you like. It's sort of based off the. Um, the questionnaire from the end of uh, the ins- or inside the Actors Guild with James Lipton, um, but obviously video game oriented. Uh, so both of you guys can can answer these uh, each uh, six questions, and here we go. Who is your favorite video game protagonist? Mm. Besides Eric Reed, obviously. <laughs> Gabriel Knight. Mm. Mm. Um, jeez. I, uh, I think I kind of got like my my one from older games. I I really always loved uh, Rosella from King's Quest Four. Okay. And, um, and then as far as more modern games, um, the Walking Dead really comes to mind. Just Lee and Clementine are both great. Mm. Or 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 Vivi from Final Fantasy IX. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. Uh, I'm a Vivi though. <laughs> now to to flip that on its head, who is your favorite video game antagonist? Who's your favorite bad guy? Uh, Sephiroth. Um. <laughs> uh, Although to bring back bon, uh, Gabriel Knight, Bon Glover from Gabriel Knight Two was a really good. Yeah, I was thinking of him. He's really good. Um, I, I'd say, that, I don't know, am I allowed to give spoilers on other video games? Sure, sure, <laughs> why not? So, uh, spoiler alert, if you if you haven't played Heavy Rain, don't listen. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the, the person turns out to be the bad guy in Heavy Rain, uh, Scott Shelby, is pretty great. Just because you're playing as him for so long, and then all of a sudden... <laughs> holy crap, this is the bad guy, but it's great because you, you've come to know him so well that it, it, it kind of fits in really well suddenly with everything you've been doing. Okay. Um, so what is your favorite point-and-click adventure game? That's not like a broken record here, but give him night too. <laughs> come on, you got to give us something else now, man. <laughs> King's Quest <laughs> for me. <laughs> Let me say, let me say, okay, so Dreamfall, <laughs> the longest journey. That's that is probably my favorite as well. That Dreamfall, good, good, you said? good answer. 
Yeah, Dreamfall. Very, very good answer. Actually, that's that's the first time I've heard uh, that mentioned in any of this. So you automatically win the podcast. Congratulations. <laughs> good. I uh, won. <laughs> good job. Uh, so uh, what what's your least favorite um, trend that's in video games right now? Just something that's that's popular and you just can't stand. Um, pain for crap in premium games. <laughs> or premium games in general. Okay. Um, I, I suppose it's not exactly new, but I definitely tend to get annoyed at the way um, women's bodies get done in games mm. and their outfits. Just like... Usually it seems when I see a new one, it's like, uh, there's me rolling my eyes again. <laughs> okay. Um, so if you, no, no holds barred, if you could do anything, what other profession would you like to try? The world was your oyster. You just go for it. What would you want to do? And me, I would like to be uh, an author, or hmm. yeah, old school published books. Just something I kind of try to work at, but usually I'm too busy <laughs> doing the games. So, um, I guess I'd probably go for either that or being an actor. Okay. Very cool. That's a that's a hard question for them to answer because they are doing the answer to like most of you know <laughs> what we would say. Sure. In, in a lot of cases. Sure. <laughs> uh, and that, that's that's the kind of the, the fun of that that question. Um, okay, so final answer or final answer, final question of the end game. When we reach at the end of our lives, when we reach the gates of the mushroom kingdom, and Toad is looking over the deeds of your life, what do you want him to say to you? Hmm. <laughs> Um, I think I would be happy with that. Go ahead, <laughs> go in. <laughs> yes, I did it. Uh, I think I'd like to hear him say, "Like, well, you went for it." All right. Well, I uh, just want to thank you guys again for for joining us on the podcast. Uh, really enjoyed our chat. If you could send us off by telling listeners where they can find out more information about cognition and where uh, they can get the game, uh, what platforms, all that kind of good stuff. Sure. Um, you can get our website is uh, Phoenix Online Studios is postudios.com. Um, there's links there to our store where you can get cognition. Uh, where you can also get Silver Lining, which is free for everybody. Uh, and then, of course, we are now on Steam and Go Games and a whole lot of other stores. Um, and we are available on PC and Mac, and the episodes of Cognition are also coming out on iPad. We've got the first two episodes out there now, and the second two will be coming sometime later this year. Okay. All right, well, uh, once again, just thank you guys for joining us, and have a great night. Yeah, yeah thanks, guys. Have a good night.